Hey everyone, it's Dan. Welcome to Adventure Super Train Minisode. We are wrapping up Future Cop with the second Future Cop TV movie, Cops and Robin, which is directed by Alan Reisner, written by John Anthony Mulhall. Well, John Anthony Mulhall was story, teleplay by Mulhall and Brad Ratnitz. Uh, forgive me if I have that wrong. If you remember from when I was talking to Kansas City Kid, the uh, last regular episode of Future Cop, my Mill Creek DVD set was a bit screwy, and I was having trouble watching the bits of Kansas City Kid. Well, here, I couldn't watch the first four minutes of this episode, so I missed the writer and director credit. I missed the opening scene with Carol Lindley as the new scientist. The first moment I saw was a two-shot of Haven and Cleaver, and it's still, Haven is still the robot cop. Hopefully you know this, Michael Shannon, and Cleaver is his partner, Ernest Borgnine, and we'll also get Bundy, who is John Amos, coming in a little bit. And so you see the two of them in, in a two-shot, and then it cuts to Carol Lindley with big glasses on laughing, and... Uh, so I missed the first four minutes. I apologize completely. Um, but but maybe, uh, you, you know, if Mike, if you're listening, Mike Mike Doran, who's a wonderful uh, comment, commenter on the Eventually Super Train blog site, if you could, if you wouldn't mind um, just saying what happens in the first four minutes, I'm imagining it's Cleaver arriving at this new space where Haven is and just kind of, hey, come on, let's go to work kind of thing. But I'm not sure just because the DVD, like I said, is screwed up. And I'm, I'm not going to go spend another seven, eight bucks. I know that's, damn, spend seven, eight bucks. No, Future Cop, we're wrapping it up now. So, oh, the episode aired, I believe, on March 28th, 1978. It has a copyright date of 77. So, here we go. Very simply, uh, Bundy is now uh, some, he's, he's, a, he's a big guy now. He, he isn't uh, on the beat anymore. He's in the suit. He's in an office. He's, I imagine he's a captain or something. I, I forget what they, they say about him. Uh, and there is a, I, I guess I could give you the, the names of everyone here, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure it, it fully matters. Uh, but there was a cop who Cleaver used to work with who was shot and killed by some jerk. And the wife of this cop saw what happened and was going to testify against this jerk, but then she kind of disappeared. We learn later on that she was two months pregnant. She didn't want to um, jeopardize herself or her baby. They found this woman again. Cleaver and Haven go to where she is. She now has a little daughter who's, I don't know, she's five, six, something like that. Super cutie uh, named uh, Robin. And some of you may know her as uh, one of the, uh, I believe, Amy in Amityville Horror. She was also on uh, like Days of Our Lives or, or some something like that. But she was on a, a bunch of stuff. You'll, you'll probably know her if you know your 70s kind of stuff. But um, uh, uh, Natasha Ryan is the actress's name who plays Robin. And uh, they convince, Cleaver and Haven convince the mom to testify against the jerk, uh, Wayne Dutton, played by um, Bernie, Terry Kaiser. What's going to happen is the mom is going to be sort of sequestered away until the court date, and Cleaver and Haven are going to take Robin and take her out to the middle of nowhere, basically beautiful house on PCH overlooking the the Pacific Ocean, and they're going to they take her out there and hang out with her and keep everyone safe from Dutton and his bad guys and his cronies, so the mom can testify. And of course, obviously, you would imagine first the bad guys discover where mom is, then they discover where Robin is, and Cleaver, Haven, and Robin have to go on the run, and it comes down to you know she's going to testify at 4 p.m today if 
she sees her daughter in the courtroom. If not, Dutton's going free again. And so it becomes craziness and running around, and will they get there in time, and will they be all right? And uh, and it's it's pretty, most of the plot with Dutton and all the mom and everything is pretty MacGuffin-y. I mean, there, there's nothing about it that, that, that uh, really requires over-explanation of what's happening. But, uh, so I am going to, I, I have a tendency to ramble, I know. I'm going to try to keep this one short-ish and sweet-ish. Not Swedish, sweet-ish. What was I saying? I was thinking of Sweden. Um, yes, okay, so, uh, what do I think of this episode? Uh, let me give you let me give you just my um, uh, the things that kind of bug me about it, and then I'll give you the good things because, unlike most of the series, I really liked this. Uh, I these these the the guys who wrote this they could have written more after this, and I would have gladly I think continued with the show. The show, I mean, the show was so vague during its its episodes that aired the five episodes that aired, including the the two hour one, obviously, and so uneven to me that this was really nice. I'm okay. Well, let me let me tell you t- tell you some of the things that um, I didn't particularly like about it. I think it's too long. I think it would have been, like the first Future Cop movie, would have been perfect at the 90-minute length, around 72, 73-ish minutes. At 97, 98 minutes, it, I just think it goes on too long. I don't think it's boring, but I just think there are moments in it, like, like the, there's a moment where, oh my gosh, the bad guys know that we're at this house on the coast. We got to take off. Your mother's testifying today. We have to keep you safe. Cleaver gets on the phone with Bundy on a payphone. Bundy says, okay, she testifies at four. Have her at the courthouse at four. Bundy hangs up the phone and goes, okay, it's 10 now. We got six hours. Let's go to the amusement park. And it's a fun scene. They go to an amusement park and you get a lot of Ernest Borgnine on the ride with the little girl. And it's it's a lot of fun. And it uh, leads to some, you know, chicanery and, and trouble uh, plot-wise. But but at the same time, at that moment, I was like, what's happening? And I thought, because they they leave this beautiful house, and they get in a car chase, and then the, they, 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 I guess they win the car chase, because the bad guys don't catch them. But there's like, okay, well, we got another six hours. And it's like, huh, I, hmm, I'm wondering if that was, it, yeah, it, it just feels like, a, oh, we still got 20 more minutes, kind of thing. And it wasn't boring. I liked the amusement park scene, and it, it goes from there. But it, it also, I thought it would have been, if it was more concise, I would have liked it more. Uh, there, there are actually just a couple, couple more things. One is, like I said, the the plot, the stuff with Dutton, and the back and forth with with Bundy, and the the bad guys finding out what's going on, and things like that never really interested me as much as what I'll talk about uh, the the Cleaver Haven Robin scenes which I think are lovely and uh, and and so like I said as I, 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 I take notes as I'm writing and I write down names and things like that and I write down stuff and you can I can always tell well if you could see the notes you could tell too I can always tell how interested I am sort of in the plotting of something by how much how many notes I take that aren't uh, circled or how many notes I take in general. If I'm taking notes on something and suddenly I realize like halfway through I stopped taking notes, that doesn't mean I didn't like it, but that means either the plot 
I got the plot so strongly in my head that I don't need to take it down. Or the plot was like, eh, and I'm remembering other things I liked about it. And if I'm circling things, I circle big, important points. Like, I'm like, oh, what about that? Oh, what about this? This was one where I got about 20 minutes into it, and I found I just stopped taking notes on the plot because I was like, I don't think that's the point of this. I mean, if if you're watching this and your focus is, oh, what is, what is Dutton up to now? Who cares? Who cares? It's not about that. It's about the, the interaction between Cleaver Haven and Robin, which is why I think it succeeds. All right, so there's uh, that. Another thing that bothered me. Okay, so what happens is one of the jerks, Dutton's jerks, one of his goons, is, gets, is able to get this number that he thinks uh, Robin's mom is at. And he calls the number, and he gets on the, the, the thing. And, you know, this is just some generic you know, white goon guy, and he gets on the thing, and he says, uh, yeah, this is Bundy, I want to talk to Mrs. Whoever, oh, okay, Mrs. Whoever, oh, yes, and the mom comes up, yes, uh, Captain Bundy, or Sergeant Bundy, or, 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 where, where, yes, yes, John Amos, we know where you are, and we're going to find out where your daughter is, and we're going to kill her, unless you, what, oh, my God, and she hangs up, Okay, I, I could see that once, um, this random guy impersonating John Amos, maybe fooling the, the cop on the line there. Um, I don't know if it's meant to be that um, undercover, then just him randomly calling like that seems a little weird to me, but I could see it happening once. Okay, I'm good. What happens then is the mom gets worried, and they contact the safe house. And what happens then is that the, the goon has kind of anticipated that. So the goon contacts uh, the phone company or someone or some sort of representative who could trace the calls. And he's like, hello? Yeah, uh, this is Bundy. I need to check to see if there are any calls made from this number. Okay, we'll get that for you. And then they give him the number, and then he finds out where the safe house is, and he goes after him. And I thought, you know what, once, possibly. But that second time, I call BS on that one. Uh, there must, I mean... You, you would think that would be... Every, you would think you'd see that ploy in every single cop show or detective show in the 70s. I mean, you used to have the thing with, like, the person putting, like, the... Well, they make fun of it in a police squad, you know, where, where Lieutenant Drebin puts, like, a cloth over the thing, and he says, uh, yeah, baby, it's me. And he, he says it in his own voice, but then when it cuts to the person listening, you hear the voice of the person he's impersonating. But this is clearly like, yeah, this is Bundy, da, 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 da. and he's kind of doing a voice like that. Yeah, this is Bundy. I need to know what's going on. The one that doesn't sound like John Amos at all. Two, is is that really the way it works? Like on a top secret sort of thing like this, just someone randomly calls up and says, "Yeah, it's me. Get me this." Okay, sir. No one says like, isn't shouldn't there be a protocol for? And your middle name is you. You have you know. Do you have children? Your your mother's maiden name is you know something like that. It's it's just I called BS on that one. Like I said, the first one I was good with. That one I thought no 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 no. There must be no no. I I like I said wouldn't ev well like I almost said wouldn't every single cop show have this in it? Where it's like wouldn't wouldn't that be like. Every single episode where the Rockford Files would have a moment where, like, Jim calls somebody or does something, and then the, a crook gets on the line and says, "Yeah, this is Sergeant. Uh, this is Sergeant Bundy. Uh, tell me where that call came from." Okay, yeah, house uh, trailer on the beach. Yeah, thanks. You know, you you would think this is Lieutenant Columbo. I got you know, you. <laughs> it, I think 
that is a ploy you don't see is because that because that is a ploy that doesn't actually work doing it once i was like i said was okay the second time i thought no 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 b s so i didn't like that and the tricky thing is that that leads to the third act where they have to run from the house they get in the car chase them the amusement park is this dumb thing if you get over that dumb thing you'll be okay. The last problem I have is the same problem I have had with the show throughout, is that I'm not 100% sure why you have a robotic cop when he doesn't do like crazy robotic strength things and stuff like that. It's it's so very rare that he does something apart from like, oh, I can hear this, or yes, I've been able to calculate these numbers, or hmm, I can smell this. His sniffer is, is used in this one. It's strange because they, they don't most most of the time his sort of robotic side comes out as he's trying to learn data style he's trying to learn human nature and he's talking with with uh cleaver and there's some great stuff with um well i'll keep the great stuff to the great stuff section but uh so you get uh talking with cleaver talking with robin um and they're um they are uh that those are fun scenes but he never like there's never he doesn't really like use his whatever powers or strengths or whatever it is you know it, it's just basically he's more or less he's more or less like um he's more or less like your iphone or something like that you know or your laptop you know it's like uh how many miles to there it's 14 miles to there sir um what's we're driving on pch what's the best way for us to go well i've memorized the entirety of pch turn left in one mile you know and and it, it seems like you'd want your robotic cop to do more than your laptop or your phone can do. Now, I know I'm speaking 2019 and 1977, 78. Um, but still, I mean, I, I, I just don't, I just don't find the fact that like, like one of the biggest things he does, he, in, in the end, it's, he smells. He has a smell thing early on where they're in Cleaver's apartment. Cleaver has a lot of dirty dishes. Is ooh, that smell. But then in the end, he's able to trace some smells to get them to when Robin gets kidnapped by the bad guys. They're able to use the smell to trace these guys. And that's great uh, that he does that. But but still, it's like, really? I mean, I, I guess I, I guess that's that's cool. Um, but But it... I, I guess it's cool. And, and they sort of do a weird thing with it, too, where they incapacitate him near the end so he can't really do anything, but then his sniffer comes up and saves the day. And that's another sort of issue I had, is that they go they go in the amusement park. I know it sounds like i got a lot of issues, but this is the last one. We're, I'm trying to go through this deliberately here. There's They go in the amusement park. He goes on a roller coaster. He seems fine, but then when he gets off the roller coaster, I guess the loop-de-loops has thrown his balance off. So he's not feeling great. He keeps saying, you know, my balance is off or whatever. Somehow this causes him to become magnetized. And he ends up getting stuck to the side of, you know, those 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 rides where you like you get the parachute and there's a basket you stand and it goes all the way up and then it drops. He gets magnetized to the side of one of the baskets. He goes all the way up and then drops to the ground. Uh, Carol Lindley shows up. She sings a little. She she's wearing little shorts. I'm kidding, of course, but she shows up and kind of fixes him up. But he can't. Um, He's not, he's not terribly well, so he can't really properly participate in the ending. Cleaver and Bundy have to do that, but he, but he's like, oh, I can smell. I'm sensing these smells, so they're able to do that. And that's great, except for the fact that 
normally in a drama like this, we have like maybe like a, a robot or something, or or like a a vehicle, or you you have something like this that's going high powered and going after the bad guys. You know, it's like I'm in a car chase, and now I'm over here, and now I'm over there. Eventually, get the point where like they start to run down or something like that. Oh my gosh! And maybe they either get the you know like like say Popeye, you know like Popeye. You know, he goes out and he kicks butt, and then eventually he winds down. And he has to have more spinach. You know, and but but there's a point when he he's winding down right before he gets the spinach, where he sort of earned it because Bluto's beating the heck out of him or something like that. Well, maybe Popeye's not the best example, but 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 just sort of a thing where you have some sort of hero or or a robot something or other or an android, and it's going through its paces and it's lifting things and it's throwing things and it's stopping bullets and it's doing this, that, and the other thing and then suddenly it starts to wind down or some circuitry goes wrong and then for the final sequence like the human has to save the day or the android kind of comes back at the last minute. That's kind of what they do with Haven here except for the fact that he doesn't actually have all that point where like he's doing this and he da-da-da-da-da. You know, because they leave the, the safe house and Ernest Bo- and Cleaver is the one who drives the car during the car chase. All Haven does is says, you know, like, turn left up here, turn right up here. And then they go to the amusement park, and they just ride rides until his circuitry goes wrong. He becomes magnetized, and then he kind of breaks. So it's this weird thing where not only do they not use him, but they use a sort of standard plot point in something like this, like something winding down or like a car running out of gas or something. And so they have to, at the last minute, they thought they were going to be able to use this because they've been using it the whole time, but now suddenly they have to find another way to do it. Well, they haven't been using Haven. So it's not like he's suddenly going to burst through the doors and save the day or, or something like that. And so it's it's a weird kind of setup because it... it uh, the, yeah, the thing happens where he becomes incapacitated and the humans have to save the day, but you don't actually get all the setup, which shows why he becomes incapacitated. He gets incapacitated because he rides a roller coaster and his balance goes wonky. I found that a little weird. But having said that, um, I think it's pretty darn delightful. You get to see Cleaver's apartment and it's a mess and Haven cleans it up. Uh, Haven has a great moment where um, you know Cleaver says, where do you want to sleep? And it's basically you know, like near a socket in a closet. So they put him in a closet in the kitchen and he just stands there and has a good night's sleep. Robin is delightful. The, the thing with, with kids is that a lot of times it can be annoying. But this, I really liked Robin. She was sweet like, um, I forget the gal's name, but the little girl in uh, Stuart Gordon's Dolls. She's sort of like that in there. She just she's just delightful, and there are a lot of great scenes between her and Haven talking, and then Cleaver joins in, and a lot of great stuff where like Cleaver is reading uh, um, uh, 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 Robin stories, and it's just it's just really and Haven isn't understanding what's going on, and he's trying to learn why people laugh, and he's laughing at inappropriate times, and he accidentally almost brings up sex to Robin when she asks what's the difference between boys and girls. It's super charming. It's super charming, and to me, that's what carries it along. I think it's, it does have a decent pace. Uh, like the car chase is fun. The bit where Haven is uh, Cleaver, Haven is is magnetized the side of the basket is rather harrowing uh, to watch, and there is a decent uh, feeling of suspense to it. But it really is once you get Robin and you get sort of the interaction between the three of them. That's what makes this worth watching, and I doubt they would have brought Robin back, although they might have, for maybe she trained to be a kid cop. Kid cop. Uh, but, yeah, I know this This sounds like, Dan, you spent ten minutes talking about what you didn't like, and you spent like four minutes talking about what you did, because what I did like is very easy to explain. The relationship between the two main characters and the little girl Robin 
is delightful and is worth watching the episode for. And almost the, the moment when the safe house is compromised, it's almost like, oh, that's too bad. I would have liked them to just hang out here and have fun. And, you know, like uh, Haven is making these ridiculously over-elaborate meals and Cleaver is complaining and they make a... They, here, here's something to anyone listening who thinks this is a joke that they should do. This this TV movie has a joke in it that is also that also appears in one of my favorite films, Batman Returns. I saw Batman Returns midnight the night it came out. I chuckled slightly at this joke, but I don't think the rest of the crowd sort of knew it was a joke. And that's jokes related to Vichyshwa. And I probably said Vichyshwa, Vichyshwa, you know, the cold soup. And there's a joke yet yeah, in Batman where where Bruce Wayne is at the back computer and he's looking up stuff about was the 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 you know the Red Hill Gang or the whatever the mob or the, you know that Penguin's a part of and the Carnival people and Alfred hands him this big bowl of soup he takes a sip and goes it's cold it's Vichyshwa sir it's supposed to be cold and Bruce Gibbs looked like okay and then he keeps eating it no one laughed I I chuckled I think a woman on the other side of the theater chuckled. We're married now. I'm kidding, of course, but there, there's a Vichyswa joke in this too. Uh, you know where where Cleaver is going, Haven is going through the the what they've just eaten, and he says, and then you know Haven says, then we had soup. It was cold. Well, it was Vichyswa, and and Cleaver has a look on his face like what? Not funny there either. So I think we put a moratorium. I know it's been 1992 since Batman Returns came out, and I can't vouch for another joke related to the cold soup since then. But let's let's cut that out. So. Yeah, I think I think overall with Future Cop, I think the original TV movie is fun. Not great, but solid mid-70s action stuff. The, like Six Million Dollar Man is much better sort of at this time. Bionic Woman is definitely much better. And of the five actual episodes, Girl on the Ledge is great. And the other five range from not so great to pretty good. But Cops and Robin, I would put on par with Girl on the Ledge. I think it's a lot of fun. I do wish it were shorter. But if this is where we say goodbye to the characters, let's say let's say goodbye on a high rather than just sitting there going, oh my God, this is going on forever. So that's the end of Future Cop, Cops and Robin. I hope you folks enjoyed it. Uh, if you listen to this as it goes out, we are some point in January 2019. The show is kicking back in episode 63, 64, whatever it is in February. And yeah, it's uh, it's going to be Bourbon Street Beat continuing with myself and Mitchell and two brand new old shows. So thank you everyone for listening. I hope your 2019 really kicks kicks ass. Pardon my French. Um, uh, yeah, and, and Haven would have asked me why I would use that term and what that term means, and Ernest Borgnine would have just gone, ah. <sighs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Here we go. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs>